And let us consider one another, how we might provoke to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the habit of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. By the reaction of some Christians, you would think that this is one of the most unappreciated verses in all the Bible. Some don't have the same attitude about these verses as they do even other verses in the exhortation to the Hebrews. For we rejoice in the reminder of chapter 1 of he who is the heir of all things, the express image of the Father, the one that purged our sins and is set down at the right hand of God. But do we have the same attitude when we hear the assembling of ourselves together? We rejoice over the word in chapter 2 about being delivered from the power of death. But do we rejoice as well in chapter 10 about the assembling of ourselves together? Oh, and don't we like to hear the words of chapter 4 about the high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Then when we read about a better covenant on better promises in chapter 6, we see that as good news. How many of us don't know about the Hall of Fame of Faith in chapter 11 and the Finisher of Faith in chapter 12 or the Helper who will never leave nor forsake in chapter 13? But does our heart skip a beat? Our liver quiver and our bladder splatter when we hear not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Even when it comes to speaking on a lectureship, in the evening session at that, my personal preference would have been to talk about the author and finisher of our faith or about that heavenly high priest. My first choice in this time slot would not have been the assembling of ourselves together. Now, that's not to say that I'm not glad to be here. In fact, this text, in a way, should be a celebration of every other verse in the book. For when we appreciate all of the blessings that the Hebrew writer discusses, what is commanded in these verses ought to be a natural outgrowth of all of that. Because of our ecstasy over the rest of the verses, we ought to be excited about these verses. Because of our reverence over the rest of the verses, we ought to be rejoicing about these verses. Because of the blessedness that is ours in the rest of the verses, we ought to be saying, bring it on when it comes to these verses. For an exalted son demands an assembly where the joint heirs with him exalt him. Having a heavenly high priest demands an assembly where the royal priesthood looks up to him in heaven. Having a king of righteousness demands an assembling of those who have been made the righteousness of God through him. Having a sinless sacrifice who purges our sins through his holy blood demands an assembling to take the bread and the cup which is to us his blood. And having a Savior who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities ought 
to demand that we be in touch through the assembling of ourselves together. We often hear messages, admonitions, and pleas from church leaders about the necessity of being faithful in attending all of the assemblies of the church. Amen, preachers. And well, we should, for it is clear that our neglecting of the assembly is serious business with God. The writer says that the ne neglecting of the assembly uh, is among those things that are willful sins which negate the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins, makes us subject to the awful vengeance of God, and therefore faithful assembly must be stressed. But somebody says, uh, you can go to heaven uh, with attending assemblies does not mean that you are saved and on your way to heaven. And I would agree. Now, now don't get me wrong. Uh, you, you, you can't go to heaven if you don't come to the assemblies. If you neglect the assembly, you will not be a servant in whom God is well pleased. You will not enter into that land of rest. You will not hear the, say, the Lord say, well done. But you also need to hear me clearly when I say that, that yes, just because we do meet uh, with the church every Sunday and attend other services does not mean that we are instantly on our way to heaven. I submit to you tonight that the assembly only, uh, only counts on our record if we have the proper attitude about the assembly. You see, when we serve God, we remember that there are three things, I believe, that, that God is concerned about when we render service to him. All three of them are absolutely essential. They go hand in hand. Those things about which God is concerned uh, in our service to him is our actions, our attitude, and his authority. These three are seen in John 4, 24, where worshiping him is the action, his spirit is the attitude, and in truth is the authority. It is seen in Matthew 15, 7 through 9 where worshiping him is the action. From the heart is the attitude, and the doctrine has to do with the authority. It's seen in Colossians 3, 16 and 17, where singing, teaching, and admonishing one another is the action. With grace in your heart is the attitude, and in the name of Christ is the authority. All three are essential. If God is going to accept that which we render to him in the way of sacrifice and service, all three of these elements I submit to you tonight uh, must be involved if he's going to accept it. Therefore, my goal tonight is to help us to see that, that yes, uh, assembly is a characteristic by which faithfulness is measured, but it's not the only criteria for faithfulness. And to get us to understand that the action of assembly in and of itself accomplishes little without the companionship of authority and attitude. And to help us understand that when the attitude is right, assembly ain't a problem. Hello, somebody. This text of Hebrews 10 shows us that if we forsake the assembly, we do so out of the wrong attitude. And when we come to the assembly, we are to come in the right approach to approaching God. So if we can solve the attitude problem, then my friends, we solve the assembly problem. 
So three quick things tonight for us to consider. And the assembling of ourselves together, first of all, comes from a heart that is full of faith. A heart full. Verse 22 says, we draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. Having our conscience, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Those who assemble are those who come with a heart full of the assurance of faith. And we already know how important faith is in approaching God, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Those to whom uh, the writer is writing were Christians who were undergoing persecution because of their faith in Christ. They were being tempted. They were being tested. They were being tried. Uh, all because of their faith in Christ. Uh, in order to keep them uh, strong, he writes to them and tells them to not allow the habit of missing the assembly to become a part of them. And they were to assemble in the midst of the difficulty. Now, we get nervous when it starts raining. Hello, somebody. We, we, we get nervous. Uh, we cancel services when snow falls and all that stuff. But these folk went to church, hello somebody, in the midst of troubles, trials, and temptations. You see, for faith keeps serving in spite of the situation. Faith keeps persevering in spite of the problems. Faith keeps running in spite of the roadblocks. It keeps going in spite of the grievances. It keeps battling in spite of the burdens. Faith keeps worshiping and working in spite of the worries. We must have hearts full of the assurance of faith. An assurance that comes from Philippians 4.13, for instance, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. An assurance that we find in 2 Corinthians 10.13, but God is faithful. He won't suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but he'll make a way to escape. Assurance from 1 Peter 3 and verse 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. Assurance from 2 Timothy 4.18, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil word and preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. My friends, if we neglect to assemble, we need to check ourselves because the problem may be that we may not have a heart that's full of faith. Our hearts may be void of faith and don't let that happen. For as we come to the assembly, we come with a heart full of faith. We must not just assemble for the sake of assembly. We assemble together with a heart filled with sincere faith in our God. For worship without the heart is empty worship, is hollow worship, is vain worship. Uh, so, so, so you don't come uh, empty. You, you, you may come and bring your body, but also bring a heart full of faith. You may come bring your Bible, but also bring a heart full of faith. You'll come and bring your family. And your 10-year-old ought not be able to tell you that they ain't going to church that Sunday and they're going to stay in bed and you go and leave without them. Hello, somebody. You bring your family and bring a heart full of faith. Otherwise, our assembly is not acceptable to God. Come to the assemblies in faith. And when you come, God will increase your faith. I, I like that. I'll say that one more time. Come to the assembly in faith, 
And when you come, you will leave with a greater level of faith. Then secondly, the assembling of ourselves together comes from those who have been holding fast. Verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. To hold fast means to, to grip tightly. It means to grab hold and, and stick like glue. Why? Because we know that just like with them, the devil is going to do his best to try to pry us loose from our faith. But holding fast means more than just sitting idly by with our faith in our laps. It means we must actively practice faith as we go day by day. It means that we not only show our faith by assembling in God's presence on the first day of the week, we live in God's presence every day of our lives. If we hold fast on Sunday, we've got to learn you can't turn loose on Monday. Hello, somebody. I'm convinced that those who don't assemble faithfully to spend time with God on Sunday are folk that ain't spending much time with him during the course of the week. I believe that if you give God some praise during the week, you look forward to being with the saints to praise him on the first day of the week. If you studied his word during the week, you look forward to coming and learning more about his wonderful word on the first day of the week. If you work for his calls during the week, you look forward to coming and get fired up for more work on the first day of the week. If you've been talking with God during the week, you look forward to the prayers of the righteous on the first day of the week. Assembly on Sunday is a result of an everyday walk with the God of heaven. This text says not only hold fast, but hold fast the profession of our faith. In other words, you, you, you made a promise to God and you've got to keep that promise. The writer says God is faithful in his promises. He's encouraging us to keep our promises to God. For when we confessed his name and went down into the watery grave of baptism, we were making a promise to God. We were promising to give our lives to him first, and we ought to keep that promise. We were promising to die for us, to ourselves and live for him. We ought to keep that promise. We were promising to let him rule and regulate us, mind, body, and spirit. We ought to keep that promise. We were promising to serve him faithfully, love him passionately, work for him tirelessly, worship him sincerely, obey him unquestionably, praise him joyfully. You were making a promise to God. You ought to keep that promise. For if you know how it feels for someone to go back on a promise to you, imagine how God feels when you go back on your promises to him. And then finally, the assembling of ourselves together comes from those who have a heart full of faith. It comes from those who also want to have fellowship. Verse 24 and 25, let's consider one another that we might provoke one another to love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, in actuality, verse 25 is not the command in the text. The actual command is in verse 24. Let us consider one another. 
Now, some versions, like the NIV, split this up into two commands, one in verse 24 and the other in verse 25. But in the original text, verse 24 is the command, and verse 25 is the offshoot or the result of the command. It's how the command is carried out. Now, don't take that. Go back home and say to your preacher, Brother Hayes said that assembly is not commanded. Hello. Just the opposite is true. What this text does is focuses on one aspect of the assembly, but it does not negate the other aspects. For instance, Acts 20 and 7, the focus of that text was on the assembly to break bread. But that does not negate the other things that must be focused on. The same can be said of 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 3. The focus of that text is the giving in the assembly. But the focus of one text does not negate the teaching of the Bible as a whole on any subject. If you look at the text correctly, you will see that by neglecting the assembly, you disobey the command of verse 24. If you obey verse 24 by doing what's in verse 25, then it holds true that if you neglect verse 25, you're also disobeying the command of verse number 24. You see, the focus of the text is how the assembly assists in our fellowship with one another, our encouragement of one another, and of our consideration of one another to provoke to love and good works. The assembling of ourselves together comes from a desire to have fellowship. Fellowship has to do with common sharing, sharing in common. The Hebrew writer says that our consideration of one another is one of the reasons for our assembly. That is a component of our attitude that involves being together, encouraging, edifying, and building up one another. And I believe that takes care of electronic church. Hello, somebody. Uh, we got folk back in Jackson. Uh, I'm glad you're not that way, but some of your kinfolk uh, believe that that, that by watching the television program that they have church. Hello, somebody. But, but I, I believe that this text negates electronic church when there is an actual church available to you. Now, these saints to whom he is writing were suffering beat down in their normal circles of life. The Romans subjected them to beat down because they were Christians. The Jews subjected them to beat down and trying to get them to come back to the tenets of Moses' law. Some of them suffered beat down when they went to their jobs. Others suffered beat down when they, uh, when they were in their own homes. Uh, and, and others, as they went about their lives, they suffered beat down. And an antidote for beat down was to assemble together and receive some lift up. He tells them, don't get in the habit of forsaking the assembly because you're going to miss out on the lift up 
that you need to receive from other Christians and the lift up that you ought to be giving to other Christians. I, 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 I struggle when I hear folks say, I didn't get nothing out of worship. That just bewilders me to no end. You mean there was nothing in one verse of one song that said anything to your situation? There was not one word in the scripture that was read that had something for you? When the, when the prayer was led, he didn't say anything in the prayer that spoke to the place where you were? My friend, if you didn't get nothing, it's because you didn't bring anything. Come to the assembly so that you can give that couple who is beat down in a troubled marriage some lift up. Come so you can give that young person who is beat down from bullying some lift up. Come so you can give that sick person who is beat down from living in constant pain some lift up. Come so you can help that young adult who is beat down from faith struggles to have some lift up. Come so you can help that church member who's facing beat down because they recommitted themselves to faithfulness some lift up. Come so that you can give a fellow Christian who is beat down from a hard day's night some lift up. Come so that you can give lift up to somebody else and you can receive some lift up of the grace of God for yourself. He says, as you see the day approaching, I got about, about three and a half minutes. As you see the day approaching, oh, got more than that. Thank you. As you see the day, now I know that there are several ideas about that day, whether it's uh, the destruction of Jerusalem or other things. Uh, also, uh, some uh, believe that it points to the last day, the day of Christ's return, and, and that's where uh, I have principally landed, and, and it's because on that day, uh, there will be an assembling of ourselves together like no other assembly before. John saw an assembly in Revelation 7, 9 and following. He saw a great multitude that no man could number out of all nations. They were assembled before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and they were singing a song about salvation. When the question was asked about their identity, the answer was, these are they who have come out of great tribulation, washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And I close by saying that we learn in this text that there is an assembly over here and there is an assembly over there. And we should not opt out of the assembly over here so we won't be left out of the assembly over there. We don't leave out the assembly here because we don't want to be locked out of the assembly over there. If we forsake the assembly of ourselves together over here, then we will be forbidden from that assembly over there. And I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out on that assembly over there, that assembly over there in the temple of God, that assembly over there around the throne of the Father, that assembly over there where hunger and thirst do not abide, that assembly over there around the fountain of living waters, that assembling over there in the presence of the Lamb who took my robe stained with sin, washed it in his blood and made it as white as snow, that assembly over there where John said I will sing the song blessing and glory and wisdom and thanks giving honor and power and might be to our God forever and forever. Let's be faithful in the assembly over here so we'll be a part of that assembly over there. May God bless you.